For the month of November, we're going to have a harvest holiday challenge. Uh, we always think of uh, the time around Thanksgiving as a time to remember what we're thankful for and also a time to give to those less fortunate. So uh, if you look in your bulletin on the back, there is a list of items that we're asking you to bring each of the weeks in November. Now, all of these items will be donated to Christian Community Outreach. And like the week one is peanut butter. We ask you to bring peanut butter that week. Now, we're making it into a bit of a contest. And the contest is going to be the losers against the women. Oh, no, wait. It's <laughs> men against the women. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we will do is each week, each week we will have two impartial, one male, one female, people to, they will count the items, and then the next Sunday we will let you know what the tally has been for the previous week or weeks. Now, you ask, what is the prize? The prize is, at the end, for Valentine's Day, the men will fix a really nice Valentine. I mean, wait a minute. Whoever loses will fix a really nice Valentine's meal for the women. I mean, for the winners. And it will be here at the church. We're going to have a really nice Valentine's dinner. So we ask you to get involved with that. It has a list in your bulletin of what you're to bring each week. And like I said, all this will be donated to help Christian outreach during the winter's a really tough time for them. A lot of people in need, a lot of people in our community that, that just need our help. Thank you. Let's spend some moment, a moment uh, greeting each other in the name of the Lord.
down, children. Chillin'. Chillin'. You ain't children? Uh-oh. All big kids. I bet you can do this part of morning meeting. We're going to have the word of the day. Well, you do the word of the day. So here is marker. Here's going to be our morning meeting board. Can you write the word peace? Okay, so peace starts with what sound? P. And what letter makes the P sound? Do you know? Here, go right up there. Right on our board. What letter makes the P sound? Do you ladies know? P. Huh? Mr. P for all you letter people. Do you remember the letter people? Did you get to dance with the letter people when you went to Parkatot? I bet you did. You just want to admit it. My letter was Mr. M. Munchy mouth. Oh, can you write it great big, please? I'll, you keep it small and then write it great big. Take up the whole board. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to read us a story about two people who made peace with each other. Do you have on your listening ears? It's one of my favorite stories. It doesn't have very many pictures. Would you like to come help hold the story? I can read sideways. They taught me to do that in college. It was a three-hour credit class. I got an A. Are you ready? You going to come hold the book with me? It's one of my favorite books. Look, it's all falling apart. I've used it so many times. You hold this edge right here. Jonathan Harrington Barrington Green. You can't get down to your finished with your beans. Jonathan Harrington, Barrington Green. It just isn't right to eat what you please. Seventeen helpings of roni and cheese. One half a pie and strawberry freeze. And not finish one little helping of beans. On the 13th of May, 19217, Jonathan Harrington, Barrington Green, looked at his plate of uneaten beans, and said to his mother, Gladys Maureen, I won't eat these veggies. I hate green beans. Then you'll never eat, you'll never get down, said his mother. So he sat there all day, and he looked far away, and all through the night, 
until the 14th of May. May I get down, Mother, Sweet Gladys Maureen? Jonathan Harrington, Barrington Green, are you sure you have eaten every last bean? No, said the boy. No, said his mother. And so passed away the 14th of May. Don't you like our calendar activity so far? Yeah, I really do. Jonathan sat with his chin stuck way out. Can I see your chin stick way out? You have to stick it way out like this. Yeah, I did that. For a month and a day and a day and a month till the summer was gone and autumn had come. Is that the season we're in right now? Autumn? Autumn, yeah. All the leaves change colors in autumn. Till the summer was gone and autumn had come again and a day and a month and a month and a day till the skies became gray and the snow fell away and settled upon his old plate of beans. Oh, mother, dear mother, sweet Gladys Maureen, it's snowing all over my plate of green beans. Please may I get down from this table and go, for I hate my green beans when they're cold as the snow. No, not till you're finished with every last bean. Can you turn the page, please? Please turn the page. Thank you. Right here. We turn to the left. Thank you. Another day passed, then 21 more. And Jonathan's mother was now 84. And the beans didn't look so good anymore. Please, mother, these beans are too old. May I go? His mother was aged, but firmly said, no. Jonathan Green Never left home again. He never played football or made a new friend. He never ever more studied or traveled or wed. For 55 years, he never ate bread. Oh my gosh, I love bread. He never slept in a fluffy soft bed. In his 90th year, when his beard had grown long, he choked down the beans by the light of the moon. These weren't so bad, said Jonathan Green. I wish now I'd listened to Gladys Maureen. Would you point up here to our morning meeting board? What is the word? All together, let's say it. Peace. Jonathan Harrington Barrington Green made peace with his mother, Gladys Maureen. Would you close your eyes and bow your head and let's pray for peace with all the people in our family this morning. Dear God, thank you that you are the peace in our lives and that you help us to make peace with our parents and peace with our brothers and sisters and peace even with the food we don't like. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. You can go to Children's Church or back to your seats with your parents.
seated. If you have God's word with you, I encourage you to open it to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 9, the reading of God's word. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. If you'd bow your heads for morning prayer. Dear Father God in heaven, we know that you are mighty in every way, that you are the creator of our lives, that you are the peacemaker, that you show us peace in our world, that you bring peace to our nation, that you bring peace to our commonwealth, and you bring peace to our church family and in our individual families as we go about our Thank you for hearing our prayers, for forgiving our sins when we come to you, for showing us the way that you would have us to live in peace. It's in the precious blood of Jesus Christ who shed on the cross that we pray today. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church and our church family. Let us learn to accept their love and support as we do yours. Let us all learn to give love and support. 
Bless the starving and hungry people in the world. Bless the sick and let us show them mercy. Pick us up, Lord, when we fall. Shake off the dust. And help us back to our feet again. Bless these tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
well, didn't he? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful song. Thank you, choir. Thank you. A while back, um, the New York Daily News carried an article titled The Eight Keys to Happiness. Now, we are in the midst of this series on the Beatitudes, unlocking the blessings of God. And these Beatitudes are Jesus's keys to happiness. So I thought it might be interesting to see how Jesus's keys to happiness matched up with what the Daily News has to say about it. Here's what the article had to say. It says that the eight keys to happiness are, number one, stop comparing your looks with others. You know what they say? They say that one out of three people are good looking. So look at the person on your left. And now look at the person on your right. I'll just leave it at that, okay? (laughs) So number one, stop comparing your looks with others. Number two is to desire less. Desire less. You know, envy is... Uh, something that that really does uh, kill our happiness sometimes. Number three, earn more money. Well, okay. Number four, don't worry if you're not a genius. That's good. Number five, make the most of your genes. I'm not sure what that means there. Number six, marriage. Marriage is one of the keys to happiness. Number, number seven, do someone a good turn. I like that one. I, that will make you happy. And number eight, grow, grow old uh, gracefully. Those are the eight keys to happiness, according to the New York Daily News. Well, Jesus also gives us eight different keys to happiness, but they are found in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been looking at those keys to happiness each week for the past six weeks. And these are the first eight statements that open the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says that these are the keys to living a blessed and happy life. And here they are. God blesses those who are poor in spirit, people who realize their need for God. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are meek and gentle, for the whole world belongs to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And we talked about this one last week. God blesses those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. And we'll be talking about this one today. God blesses those who work for peace, for they shall be called children of God. And then next week we'll look at at, uh, number eight which is God blesses those who are persecuted for the sake of God's kingdom, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. So these are the eight keys to happiness according to Jesus. Now, basically, happiness is living a life that God can bless. And it's not that that God is withholding God's blessings or anything like that. It's just that there are blessings that are attached to this kind of behavior. And so Jesus is saying to us that if you want to live a blessed and happy life, then you need to do these things that are listed in the Beatitudes. Well, today we're looking at living your life as a peacemaker. So let's read our Beatitude for today. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, I want to call to your attention two phrases in this verse. The first one is peacemaker, and the second one is children of God. These two phrases go together, and what Jesus is saying is that you are, if you are someone who works for peace, then you are a child of God. You know, sometimes you may be a child of someone and you may bring honor to your parents or you may bring dishonor to your parents. Well, what this is saying is that you bring honor to God when you work for peace. You are God's child when you work for peace and therefore God can bless you in amazing ways. Now, this idea of peace is one of the big ideas in the scriptures. In fact, the word peace is used 88 times in the New Testament alone and over 200 times in the whole Bible. All throughout the New Testament, peace is constantly used as a a mark of the Christian life. And, And we are told time and time again that as Christians, we are to practice peace. So here's a question for you. What's the opposite of peace? Here are a few words that are considered to be the opposite of peace. Discomfort. If you're not in peace, you're, you're, not, you're in discomfort. Discontent. Displeasure. Sadness. War. Anarchy. Worry. Chaos. Conflict. Depression. Dissatisfaction. Unhappiness. Anxiety. And panic. Those are the words that are the opposite of peace. So what are some synonyms for peace? Things like contentment, tranquility, serenity, comfort, gratification, pleasure, satisfaction, gladness, and fulfillment. Now let me ask you something. Of those two lists of words... Which one sounds like it's more blessed, a more blessed life than the other one? I don't know about you, but I will, I'll take the peaceful life any day. And sure enough, God says that one of the keys to receiving God's blessing, one of the keys to a, a happy life is that you need to work for peace. And we need to do that in our own life. We need to do that in our relationship with others. And we need to do that in the whole world. So let's talk about those three areas uh, for just a minute this morning. First of all, God blesses me when I work for peace in my own heart. Now here's a trick question for you. Do you have to work for peace in your heart if you're a Christian? Well, the answer is yes and no. Uh, No in the sense that eternal peace comes to us in the knowledge that you'll go to heaven. If we're Christians, you so you see, we, we, we can we can't do anything to earn our way to heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't sweat our way to heaven. All we can do is by faith receive the gift of salvation that God offers to us. So the peace that comes through knowing Jesus is not something that we have to earn. In fact, John 14 says, peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give to you. But the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So do not be troubled and do not be afraid. 
So there's a peace that comes from knowing Jesus that you and I don't have to work for. We simply have to receive it. But when it comes to the everyday mundane issues of life, it seems that we do have to work for peace in our lives. You see, Jesus spoke about the number one robber of peace over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's called worry. Here's a simple fact of life. Worry robs us of peace. Now, one of the, one of the interesting statistics about worry is that Christians worry about the same as non-Christians do. And that may, may, may not make much sense to you. I mean, we've turned the big issues over to God. As Christians, we know that we're going to go to heaven and we know that we have been forgiven and we know that we have salvation. So why is it so hard for us to turn those small areas of our lives over to God? Like that big presentation that we're going to have to make at work or that final exam that we're going to take or that recital that we're going to have to perform or whatever it may be. Why are we so worried about those things? Why can't we just trust God with the everyday issues of life? Look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or clothes. Doesn't life consist more of just food and clothing, he says? He says, your heavenly Father who calls you his child already knows your needs. And God will give you all that you need from day to day. And here's a big part. He said, if you strive first for the kingdom of God and for God's righteousness, then all of these things will be given to you. So my friends, if you you live for God, and if you make God's kingdom your primary concern, then worry goes down. But when the kingdom of God goes down on your to-do list, then worry goes up. Do you see how those two things are connected? Well, folks, this is the bottom line teaching on worry. When we focus on God's provision and we work to make God number one in our lives, then we don't worry as much. However, when we focus on ourselves and our limited abilities, then we worry and we fret. And we get stressed out. In Philippians 4, 6, 4, 6, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Get the feeling that these guys aren't so keen on worry. I mean, Jesus said to stop worrying and Paul says, don't worry about anything. So, so what are we supposed to do? Well, Paul goes on, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And listen to this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know that statistically speaking, about eight out of ten things that you worry about is never going to (laughs) happen? It's not going to happen. So we worry about things that we don't even need to be worrying about. So Paul says, look back at what God has blessed you, how God has blessed you in the past, and thank God for that, and then say, God, I'm going to trust you for eight more things in the future. (laughs) You see, Paul says, you can worry or you can pray and hand it over to God. So when was the last time you, you turned your worries over to God and let God give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. 
It takes some work to do that. And I, and I have to confess that I'm not very good at it. I'm one of those people who lose a lot of sleep when I'm worried about something. But, but it takes work to say, God, I'm taking all of my worries and I'm thanking you for how you have blessed me in the past. And now I'm going to trust you in my present. I'm going to concentrate on you being first in my life because I need your blessings. And God, I know that one of the ways that, that you want to bless me is by removing my worry and replacing it with peace. My friends, God wants us to have peace in our hearts. Not fear, not anxiety, not worry, and not stress. And so we need to learn how to turn those things loose and let God give us peace. But I've discovered in my life a very fundamental truth, and that is that I cannot have peace in my heart if I do not have peace with my relationships with others. It just doesn't happen. And so that's the second point for today. God blesses me when I work for peace in my relationships. You know that quote from John Donne says, No man is an island. You heard that before? It's true. It's true. We were created to be in relationship with other people. Just as we need food to eat and water to drink and air to breathe, we need each other. But unfortunately, most of us here today have some relationship in our life that is broken or messed up in some way, whether it's with a friend or a spouse or a co-worker or a boss or a neighbor or whoever it may be. There are some relationships in most of our lives which we need to take steps in order to bring peace. And so here are three biblical principles that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount that we need to take if we are to bring peace in our relationships. And the first one is this. Reconcile. Right now. That's what it says. Jesus says in Matthew 5, that if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, he says, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar and go and be reconciled with that person and then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it's too late, he says. Now, what's the rush? Why should I drop everything to make things right? Well, let me tell you. A broken relationship will do two things to you. One thing, it will make you absolutely miserable. It will take your mind off of what you need to be doing and cause you to be preoccupied with anger and resentment and worry and, and regret. And so in essence, a broken relationship will make you feel less effective and less happy. But secondly, broken relationships also hurt your relationship with God. Folks, if you are not right in your relationship with other people, you cannot be right in your relationship with God. In fact, 1 John says that you cannot love God and hate your brother and sister at the same time. He goes on to say, if you say that you love God and hate your brother or sister, you're a liar. That's what John says. So God says, go and make things right with that person and, and then we can talk. 
Then come back to the altar and worship. Reconcile. Right now. And then secondly, don't retaliate. Jesus goes on in this chapter and says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. This is another extraordinary teaching that Jesus shares with us. If you want to have peace in your relationships, you have to do the opposite of what almost everyone else in the world is doing. If someone does something to hurt you, do not respond in any way that reciprocates that hurt. When someone talks badly about you, do not talk badly about them. When someone speaks angry to you, do not speak angrily to them. When someone disrespects you, do not disrespect them in any, ret- in any return. That's what it means to turn the other cheek. Because folks, let me tell you something. Retribution never brings about anything good. All it does is to hurt the other person and motivates that person to hurt you in return. But not responding at least holds the possibility of ending the hurting before it escalates and and, and stopping the destructive cycle before it even begins. So don't retaliate. And here's the third thing. Make peace with your enemies. Jesus goes on in the same chapter and says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, this is hard teaching, isn't it? Not retaliating, that's hard enough. But but here, Jesus is saying to us that we need to take the initiative. When that person you are constantly doing battle with hates you, Jesus is telling us here that we're supposed to love them. When they persecute you, we're supposed to pray for them. When they do something mean to you, We're supposed to do something nice to them. There's no better way to bring peace to your relationship than by turning your enemy into a friend. And this verse is telling us that there's there's no better way to be like God, which we're called to do, folks, than to love those who do not love you. So if you want to be like God, then we need to learn how to love our enemies. So we started with the need for peace in our own hearts. And that's about turning our worry and our anxiety and our everyday concerns over to God. And then it gets a little harder as we talked about peace in our relationships. But then it begins to expand as Jesus tells us that we also need to work for peace in our world. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. I am fascinated in history by the study of peace movements. You know, Jesus was born into that time of history known as the Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome. It was one of the longest stretches of peace ever in the history of the world. But it was a peace kind of in name only, 
because it was a peace that was maintained only by the threat of immense violence. It was kind of like the Cold War that we experienced here in our country uh, not too long ago, in which the, the U.S. And, the, and Russia were at peace with one another. But we were only at peace with one another because we all knew that each country had the capacity to obliterate the other one at just the push of a button. But through the ages, people have given their lives to work for peace. One of the modern-day movements of peace workers was founded in 1961 when then-Senator John F. Kennedy challenged students at the University of Michigan to serve their country in the cause of peace by, by living and working in developing nations. And from that inspiration grew an agency of the federal government that to this day is still devoted to peace and friendship. Since that time, this one particular peace movement has delivered over 170,000 Peace Corps volunteers. They've been invited to 163 host nations to work on issues of things like AIDS education and information technology and environmental preservation. It's an interesting modern day movement. But here's what I was thinking when I was reading about the Peace Corps recently. You and I, we're God's Peace Corps. We are God's Peace Corps. Now, I know that Peace Corps is a secular organization, but you and I, we are God's Peace Corps. You see, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, and when we receive the peace that God has to offer us, and when we turn our everyday concerns over to God, and when we work for peace in our relationships, then we sign up to be God's Peace Corps. My friends, God calls every one of us to be involved in taking the message of peace to the world. You see, in the Scriptures, Jesus is sometimes called the Prince of Peace. And if Christ is the Prince of Peace, then we, as Christ's disciples, are to serve His cause of peace. And we are to take His message of peace and spread it around the world. That's what Jesus said as his very last words in the New Testament. At the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says, look, I get, I've given you peace in your heart. He says, I've given you a plan on how to make peace in your relationships. I've told you the things that you need to do in order to live a, a blessed and happy life. And so now, now I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all of these things that I've been teaching you. And one of the things that Jesus has been teaching us is to be peacemakers. And so now we are to be His Peace Corps, carrying His message of peace to the world. And we can be peacemakers if we live a life of forgiveness. We can be peacemakers as we resist the temptation for vengeance. We can be peacemakers as we pray for those who hurt us and as we proclaim this kind of 
radical lifestyle as the way to true and lasting happiness and peace. My friends, God has given us the greatest message in the world, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only source of lasting peace. For you see, God did not send God's Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. God sent Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to be the ultimate peacemaker for the entire world. And so here's the question. Will you also be God's peacemakers? Will you start by allowing Jesus to make peace in your heart? If you've never put your trust in Christ, you don't have to work for it. All you have to do is to say, yes, Jesus, I want your peace. Come into my life. I'm trusting you. Or maybe you've done that and, and you have your relationship with God taken care of, but you've never taken care of the, the everyday things. So maybe you need to pray, God, I'm giving you all of these everyday details that I'm constantly worrying about and that's constantly robbing me of my peace. I'm giving those things to you now. Or maybe you're not at peace with your friends or your neighbors or your co-workers or your spouse and you need to work for peace there in that re relationship. God, help me to make peace that with that person that's hard to, lo to love. Or maybe you need to be a peacemaker on a larger scale in the world. In all of these areas, we need to be at peace. And you know why? Because otherwise, our life will not be blessed or happy. Christ has told us what we need to do to live a blessed and happy life. And here it is. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond in any way that you feel appropriate today by singing our invitation hymn, I've Got Peace Like a River, number 418. You may not have peace in your life right now, but you can by coming to Christ and by making peace with God first and then with the others and then, in, then with the world. That's what God wants of us. And so if your heart is troubled today in any way, we invite you to make that right with God or with whoever you need to make it right with to be at peace. We invite you to respond to the Holy Spirit working in your heart to be a peacemaker and accept that challenge of Christ and in doing so to live a blessed and happy life would you come as we sing I've got peace like a river
Oh God, above the noise of conflict, there is a song of peace. And above the world's weeping, there is a song of hope. And above the cries of hatred, there is a song of love. And so today, O oh God, we pray that you would bless us so that we might be singers of your song and help us to bring peace into our lives and to our world. Amen.